Welcome to the Story Discovery Podcast. I'm your host, J.W. McAteer. Coming up, you'll hear a new work from our free online publication, Etched Onyx Magazine. Please join me and co-host Melissa Collings after the reading when we talk with the author about their work and all things writing and otherwise. This podcast and all related materials are a production of Onyx Publications. All works, stories, and poems are copyright 2023, all rights reserved. On today's show, we have a selection of poems written by Claire Scott and narrated by J.W. McAteer. Settle in and enjoy. Post-accident fallout. Moorings slipping and sliding between breakfast and supper, between Ativan and Ambien. Count me among the chemically confused, forgetting to turn off the stove, fill the bird feeder, follow the plot of Lord of the Rings, or find my fuzzy slippers. Did you know my son is disabled due to the dalliance of origami gods who looked away when an L.A. woman was texting through red light? The gods too busy playing bingo or watching Breaking Bad. Dilated moments of horror tossed 20 feet like a frisbee in slow motion silence. I ask the paper doll gods to scissor that moment in time and splice the ends together, seamless as a symphony. But they are sloshed on sacred wine or arguing over who owns Park Place. I take him to doctors and more doctors who try hypnosis, acupuncture, ECT. I shouldn't blame them for not fixing him. But I do, and I do. My son lives with pills on a ledge of pain. I fear one day he will fall. I live with flashbacks to that street in L.A. I have never seen. But I was there. For sure, I was there. Introvert's Dilemma So terribly depressing. Only a few people show up. The pimply checker from Safeway. A few stray cousins I don't remember. My deaf neighbor, whose dog, starts barking at 6 a.m. A hunched aunt, who must be over a hundred. And my estranged husband, looking looped. The price of being an introvert, of not joining a book club, a hiking group, a cooking class, a knitting circle, or sexy salsa, dancing Saturday nights, skirts flying, preferring the quiet of midnight novels or scribbling poems no one will ever read. So terribly embarrassing 
the minister mispronounces my name, mumbles a few random facts, fed to him by my soused ex. She always wore black, binged-watched West Wing, and ate Fruit Loops for supper. Nota bene, the past tense, please not yet. The minister closes with some anodyne prayers for my very unshriven soul. Everyone else has fallen asleep. The last light fades as I slink away to join a Buddhist Sangha, hoping to be reincarnated as an extrovert. Yet another letter to my mother. I tried and tried to love you, or at least to forgive you. Did I? Did I really try? Really? Or did I take on the burnt and bitter of an abused child, curling into my story like a snail in a too tight shell, something to wrap around, a hollow center, so people will notice me, not like a mother who was too manic to care, too depressed to cook only a can of beans or a bowl of shredded wheat. My shell hardens as the years pass when all it takes is a simple I forgive you to a ghost who couldn't mother whose mother couldn't mother. A simple, I love you, that would set me free. My therapist calls. Me, an anxiety case. Despite gobs of Xanax and Ativan. Despite acupuncture and ayahuasca. Aura cleansing and exorcism. My legs twitch, my nails dig, into the fabric of her new couch, leaving lines of torn threads. What about DBT, CBT, ECT, QRT? I beg, stumbling over the alphabet, pulling at my earlobes, searching for cigarettes given up long ago. She shifts in her chair, the sound echoes in the silent room, like a pin dropped on a marble floor, or a sudden sob at a funeral. I notice her foot fluttering, her right hand twisting, her silver wedding ring. She blinks staccato like a mole in bright morning sun, then swallows a fistful of pills. Help me out here. I am missing my reason for living. I thought I had it right here, in my pile of important things. But all I see is a grocery list. Scotch, canned soup, more scotch, and pages of instructions on how to set my clock back an hour. Who cares? So here I am calling to you from the bottom of a well where I have been living for months, haunted by images of stealth, moments of anger, flashes of failure, 
drowning in a riptide of regret. But more and more memories are becoming illegible, fading like a Cheshire cat or invisible ink, which is okay by me since what you don't remember never happened. Or do memories still niggle at night? Did I really hit my child, cheat on my husband, not include tips on my taxes? Fumbling towards forgiveness, no idea how it all works. Help me out here. Do I need to email the gods or give money to world wildlife? Do I chant Om for endless hours or buy a hair shirt from Amazon? And where is my reason for living? I am sure I had it right here, under the turnoff alert from PG&E, and an unopened notice from the IRS. Yet the future keeps showing up, and that's the good news. You've just listened to a selection of poems written by Claire Scott. And we have Claire on the show today to talk about these works and writing life in general. Welcome to the show, Claire. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good to have you on. Real excited to have you on. Also, I'm joined, as always, by Melissa Collings, co-host. How are you, Melissa? Doing great. I'm excited. It's great. Great. All right. Well, we usually kick off the show with you telling us a little bit about yourself, Claire. So why don't you give us some of your background? Hello, I'm Claire Scott, and I am going to be 80 in about six months. So this is a whole new decade in my life that I'm wow. looking forward to. And um, I am married to a man. We have four children, five grandchildren scattered all over the country, and that keeps us busy. Great. And I just retired three years ago. I was a psychotherapist. And Oh, wow. Interesting. And what I found interesting about being a psychotherapist is I started writing poetry after I became a psychotherapist. And because I was a psychotherapist, it led me to poetry. It felt there was so much similarities between the two. Interesting. Beyond has this wonderful expression that's without memory and desire, which I think is what you need as a therapist and as a poet. You just oh. don't know what's going to happen next, but you're open to it and um, let things happen as they happen. Who did you say that was? Wilfred Beyond. He's oh, Beyond. Okay. Yeah, hmm, not Beyond. familiar with that person. Yeah. Uh, but I love without memory or desire it's just, yeah. because it's so easy, either as a therapist or as a poet, to have some sort of frozen frame before you even start. And then you're sunk at that point. You need to, right. you need to be super open to whatever's happening. And certainly in writing poetry, I have no idea what's going to happen when I sit down to write a poem. Yeah. I, I scribble things around. And often when I'm finished a poem, what I started with is long gone. But I, it took me on another journey. So Yeah. Um, wow. That's great. And that also they, both metaphors, sim similes, images, all of that are part of therapy and poetry. Yeah. Yes. Well, I have a lot of questions. This is fascinating. Good stuff. I know. This is all fantastic stuff. I'm really excited to talk about your past and everything that has led to poetry. But let's talk about the poems, if we can. I love diving into each individual one and kind of getting your thought process, where you were in, in you know, kind of in life. 
So can we go through each one? Sure. I'd be happy to do that. I would okay. say first, I think all of my poems obviously start with seeds in me, and some of the seeds are watered by imagination, and they are just way off there, and others are closer to my reality. And the first poem, Post-Accident Fallout, is actually pretty close to the truth. My son was in a horrendous car accident. He was crossing the street in a crosswalk, and a woman ran a red light, and he's disabled for life. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. How old was he? He was um, in his early 40s at that point. Oh, my goodness. That gives me chills. Oh, it was unbelievable. And I've written lots about it. I find that writing about it helps me find out who I am and what I feel. And, yeah. um, and it's easy with a disabled child to sh close your heart because it's so unbearable. And yeah. poetry helps keep it open. And then sorrow rolls through and... I can write about the experience, and I do share all my poetry with him. Wow. Yeah. So he gets to see it. And um, I don't know if that's enough with that poem, or do you want something else? Oh, I think that's, I think that's great. I mean, it just, setting with that for just a second, because it gives me chills, there's so much depth there. But knowing your story changes, I think, how we read this. There's so you even pack even more emotion into it. As we've talked a lot, you know, on the show about how poetry for me is like a painting. It's very subjective. And I think you can get a whole lot out of, of one piece of poetry, several different things at least. Mm -hmm. But knowing the author's intent or knowing, you know, the painter's intent mm -hmm. tweaks it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that, I mean, that's, um, it just, like I said, it does give me chills. But yes, we can move along. Yet Hold another, on, wait, yeah. wait. Yeah, I loved all your poems, and um, this one in particular has some lines that really struck me, and I just, um, I'm not even sure I have a question related to them, but I wanted to point them out. <laughs> That's fine. I like that. One of them is, uh, you know, my son lives with pills on a ledge of pain. Yeah, so that's powerful. So is that something that's still ongoing? And I mean, it's, it's so well written, and it just, um, you know, like life is on a ledge in a, in a lot of ways, and it's kind of beautiful imagery, but is that something that's still ongoing in his life? And Yes, he yours? ended yeah. up with a traumatic brain injury and mm. has dystonia, which is oh. puts him in constant pain. Yes. And he's on a handful of drugs, Oxycontin, Oxycodone. Um, nothing's really helped. Yeah. He's just pretty in pain, and his body is all torqued and twisted and tense. Oh and so. Mm. And he's the most amazing human being. Yeah. He has a great oh. big heart, and he's always worried about me and how I'm doing. And he's just a wonderful person, and it's such yeah. a tragedy. Yeah. You're going to make me cry. My goodness. <laughs> well, me too. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I bet. Oh. All right. Did you have another line? No. I mean, there are. this whole poem has got a lot of powerful lines in it, but we really can move don't. on to the next one. Yeah. Okay. Then the next one is also close to home, but with a little more imagination in it. Um, my mother was alcoholic and bipolar and abusive and neglectful. And I've carried that as a burden for a big part of my life. Is That's mm -hmm. my identity. Sure. I yeah. am the child of an alcoholic with all yeah. that comes with it. But the identity is so tight and so compressed that it doesn't allow any breathing room. 
So I was trying to breathe a little space into those feelings and the ending a simple I love you that would set me free. I think mm-hmm. I'm close to that now. I, I can see how much suffering she went through with bipolar and alcohol and self-medicating. Right. And it was during an era where it wasn't okay to have mental illness, mm-hmm. ergo alcohol. And right. my father was just ignored the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So this is a process that I'm still going through. It's not that I'm finished with this. Um, I do yeah. write a lot about my mother, not much about my father. But to just say that she did the best she could, given right. what was happening to her karmically. So um, this is this is the one that's yet another letter to my mother, of which there have been hundreds. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's a great title, and I think a lot of people can relate to that, even just the title itself. Definitely. You know, even if you don't have a mother in that situation, you just have that, a lot of people have the experience of having a situation where they just are continuously dealing with it. Yes, yes, and it's yeah. my life path here. Yeah. Yes. I was talking to someone recently over coffee, and it was a writing, but we ended up started talking. It was about writing. We got together for that purpose, but we started talking about how our families and how our lives and how we parent is shaped by the parents that we had. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. either want to bring forth the things that w- were done well or the things we feel like were done well, or we want to compensate for what wasn't done well. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it really does. The experiences that we have in life shapes us so much. It makes us who we are and, um, I think this this poem is a nod to that, and it's a beautiful nod. I tell you, these are emotional poems. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're relatable, but it's emotional. I feel like I'm there with you at to some degree, which is painful. It is painful. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. the, ne- the next poem, um, actually, I had a kind of experience like this. It's the one that says my therapist calls, and it's meant to be light and kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But I had a patient who was struggling with depression, which I also can struggle with. And I was asking the questions that one does ask as a therapist about depression. And I realized that I was answering more of them positively than my patient was. (laughs) (laughs) She seemed to be fine. I was the one that was struggling. Right, right. (laughs) So this is sort of how contagious it is with what's in the room. Yeah. you know, it, it, the therapist does pick up what the patient's feeling. That's a big part of the work. So, yeah. he, right. um, so here's the poor therapist struggling with her feelings that she's gotten from the patient. So it's just, <laughs> it's just meant to be fun. It is fun. I think it's hilarious. Oh, yes. thank you. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Before we get to the next poem, yeah. so I'm curious. So you, you said earlier you're a psychotherapist. By training, and that was make your career. But you only started writing these poems after you retired, and it seems like it's somewhat of a mechanism to deal with some of the things that you went through. And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. So you could tell us about that. But did you have any other way of sort of processing? That seems like such a difficult job. And a lot of people that we've talked to, writing is an outlet mm-hmm. for that. And yet you didn't do it until you were done with the work. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts a- on actually, that? Actually, I think I must have misled you a little bit because I was writing poetry. First, I was a psychotherapist and started a practice, and then I started writing poetry. It just started happening. 
because of exactly what you're saying. And one of the reasons that I retired was, first of all, I'm an old lady, so I don't have to work anymore. (laughs) But secondly, um, I wanted more time to write and to study poetry and to take some classes and that kind of thing. Oh, okay. So you have been writing for a long time now. Maybe not, maybe 20 years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And would you say, and so it was a tool to sort of um, kind of deal with some of the emotional impacts of helping people deal with their emotions? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And as I said before, there was such a logical connection between poetry and doing therapy. So um, it was an easy bridge. Okay. Got it. Uh, yeah, great. So then the next one is called Introvert's Dilemma. I love that title. <laughs> and mm-hmm. as a total introvert, um, I question <laughs> what, is that right? <laughs> no, yes. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, just coming on this show is like, oh my God, really? <laughs> You're going to have to recover. You'll, you'll spend right, the rest right. of the day recovering. <laughs> um, and I, I look at my, I do have a number of extroverted friends, and they have such different energy that I'm yeah. just always curious about what doors are shut or shutting if you're an introvert, and yeah. what you may, what you miss, and is it selfish being an introvert? <laughs> and you know, because I, I don't, I have an extroverted sister who's out in the world and does twenty different things every day. One is yeah. enough for me. So, yeah. um, so it was more. This was meant to be sort of funny about what happens when you're an introvert in terms of who shows up at your funeral and um, maybe not too many people, but um, still it's genetic introversion and extroversion. There's nothing much you can do about it. So this is what I've got landed in this lifetime. So um, (laughs) I was just paying attention to this and I don't have seven lunches a week with friends and I don't you know, just do endless things all day. And I watch in amazement and I would be exhausted doing all of that. So, yeah. And poetry is wonderful for an introvert. Yeah. Writing in general, I think. Is, yes. Uh, probably a lot of introverts do write. I did want to mention real quick, because you talked about all the activities that your friends do. My wife's reading a book kind of for our kids and for, she's a bit of an introvert too. Um, and it's called, I'm sorry, I'm late. I didn't want to come. <laughs> and, uh, oh, that's right. I love that. Jessica Pan, and it's like an introvert who tries to be an extrovert for, for a year, and it's it's hilarious. I hear her, like, my wife's like laughing a lot when I read it. But anyway, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, a lot of writers are introverts at heart. Maybe not everybody, but mm-hmm. we, everybody has a little bit of introvert in them. So, And that's when with COVID, I didn't notice anything different. Because I was, <laughs> yeah, too. see, I, I yeah, just had okay my same life, yes, not right. getting COVID that was miserable. Yes, and, right. But um, it took me a long time to realize that I was in COVID because I wasn't doing anything any differently. So, yeah, um, it's always amazing. I, I would hear other people talk about how, how horrible it was and how they craved all this uh, other people. And I'm just like, I just keep my mouth shut. When people say yeah. things like that, because I'm like, I cannot relate. I do not understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. You know, I just <laughs> like, I'm fine. No, I think there's a point where even introverts, you know, need, we oh. need people to, yes. that's not what we're saying, but um, our threshold for being alone is higher, I think, mm-hmm. than, than others. And it is so fascinating for other people to um, not, you know, feel so out of sorts. 
mm-hmm. when they when they can't do all those activities. Yes. And then other people are fine not doing those. It's so mm-hmm. interesting. It was very interesting. And yeah. certainly my extroverted friends were crawling the walls. They You're right. Yeah. They couldn't yeah. wait to get out and go do something. So Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that all those differences make the world go round, you know? If everybody was an introvert or everybody was an extrovert, you know, it just it wouldn't be so fun. No, I would agree. And you you want to kind of cultivate the the for me cultivate a little extroversion. Yeah. Yes. Because I yeah. definitely do I don't want to come and then I go right. and it's fabulous and I feel right. Yes. Yeah. right. Exactly. You yeah. always got to get over that time. hump. Yeah. 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 So well, let me ask, I have a question about the poem on this one in particular. So the line where you say, and ate Fruit Loops for supper, and then you've got, is that, the NB, is that for note, note bene or something? Yes, that, take note. Okay. Yeah, the past tense, please, not yet. So I didn't, uh, that was one line that just threw me off, mm-hmm, and I was okay. wondering what, what you were meaning by that. Well, I just meant that I'm imagining my funeral, and I'm thinking, Let's hold it in the imagination. Let's not Got have it, it in okay. the reality I yet, because I'm. Yes. Okay. I, I want to live a little bit longer. Yeah. That and now came that, through for me. Okay. Okay. And well, now, see, I actually thought you were already dead in this. That's where, how I read it. <laughs> and then that line, I was, and that's where, and then I thought, well, maybe, the, maybe she's not yet. You know what I mean? And um, so that's all. I was just confused. No, no big deal. And, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't Still mind wonderful. a lifetime of being an extrovert. I think I'd be exhausted all the time. But <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, if you believe in reincarnation, which is just a big question for me, what are you going to come out next time? And right. You get right. a chance to try extroversion for a lifetime. <laughs> I know. That's a great that's a great way to end it. Oh, it's so funny as an introvert. Just the thought of that makes me like shiver. Oh, like, it's exhausting. I don't want to be an extrovert. Start sweating. Yeah. <laughs> But the but extroverts though, are happy. Yeah. Though I'm curious. There are some people. Can can people tell that you're an introvert? No. Many they my close yeah. friends do, but um, no people that know me think that I'm out there and I'm always talking to people and curious yeah. about people. And um, once they know me, they know that I'm an introvert. And if I have more than one plan on the weekend, I'm exhausted. So. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. But I That's love this... being with people. And yeah. I worked in a corporation before I became a therapist. And that was the best part of the job, working with the people. Yeah. yeah. So I, I... it's not that I want to sit in a closet for the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> so, uh... yes. yes. I'm the exact same way. I can completely relate. Most people can't tell that, that I'm an introvert either. What about you, JW? <laughs> I, so, I think I'm... I'm like a little bit of both. I um I love getting up in front of people and making them laugh and getting out there. But there are days when I just don't want to. I, like I really just can't do it. And actually, you know, Melissa and I went to like a writing conference together yeah. once recently. Just kind of met there and bump, you know we're walking around. And I was just in one of my off days, and I talked to a few people. And, you know, supposed to network and kind of, you know, get that support. And I was just like in my own little bubble, you know, and I <laughs> I didn't feel and I felt bad when I left. So maybe that's like yeah. maybe that's the extrovert extrovert in me being mad at the introvert. I don't know. But anyway, so it, it happens a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, that's kind of that's nice. So you get it. I guess so. Yeah. I think it's more where you get your energy. Yes. And I, yes. I, I get my recovery and energy by myself. And other yeah. extroverts like Bill Clinton obviously gets tremendous energy, glad handing and talking. And right. uh, that would be a nightmare for me. I'd have to go to bed for a week. 
So. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. So the, there's one more poem. Help me out here, and this, this is this is the last one. And I find I didn't think I would do this. It's you know, life just surprises you. I thought the year I turned 80 would be no-brainer and good for me. I'm still alive and they just fixed my heart and I'm good to go. And actually it's been a, I guess because I'm an introvert, it's been a very interior journey so far. Mm -hmm. And this was um, sort of part of that and what lasts and what doesn't last. And um, like buying a hair shirt from Amazon or (laughs) something. And to me, this is, I have a lot of friends, obviously, my age as well, and we talk about what this is like and what we want the last chapter to look like, Yeah, yeah. because it's definitely a last chapter. And, right. Um, and what do we want to take with us into the last chapter, and maybe what do we want to leave behind? Yeah. So that's sort of what this poem is about. Um, it's a funny take on it, though. It's humorous. It's a humorous yes, take. I find humor <laughs> is so important. And if it you just is. stick with really dark emotions, it's not very interesting after a while. Yeah. You, yeah. you need someone, you need some perspective with humor, and it does help you step back a little. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I love humor. Right. I Great. do too. Well, one other line that I did want to mention from the poem about your son was the origami gods. I thought that was fantastic. And then the um, drunk on, I don't have it in front of me at the moment probably drunk on something wine um sloshed on sacred wine sloshed on sacred wine yeah wonderful wonderful you. are you both poets or what do you do for writing i actually did have a poem one poem published although i wouldn't call myself a poet mm-hmm. I, uh, i've written some poetry and enjoy it i'm a genre guy i like fantasy science fiction a little bit of everything mm-hmm. literary not as much but i do read it mm-hmm. uh, and Melissa? Yeah, I write in a lot of different genres, a couple, a little bit of short story, but mostly I write fiction, women's fiction, rom-coms, and psychological thriller suspense. Wow. Um, but I do, and I would not call myself a poet, but I am drawn to poetry. I actually wrote a poem last night. It was, wow. I usually, when I am meditating, sometimes I'll get the urge to write poetry. So I have a mm-hmm. book that's got several poems in it. I don't know if I'll ever do anything with it, but... I feel like there's times where, and and I'd love to hear your take on this too, Claire, is there are times when words need to not be so straightforward, but have just like a poetic license, just, and I'm using poetry in my definition, but just this, I don't know, it's hard to describe. There's something about poetry that you can't get with prose. Like when I'm writing I'm writing a story, somebody else's story, really. That's the way I feel like. When I'm doing poetry, I'm capturing something. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of my own emotions or something, somebody else's emotions that I'm really feeling strongly towards. Um, so what, what draws you to poetry to work out your, you know, maybe some issues that you're working through, you know, like with your son, as opposed to writing a story, like a short story or something like that? Well, first of all, I... I'm absolutely incapable of writing short stories. No, I don't believe that. <laughs> and the idea of writing a novel is just beyond the beyond. I'm reading The Horse now, and I can't believe, I don't know if you guys have read that book yet, Geraldine no, Brooks. Oh, my gosh. It's just layers of characters and so on. I, I couldn't keep them track of them. 
<laughs> but I think that, that prose to me is more straightforward. Yeah. And poetry allows you, you know, using a word that may have layered meanings. Yes. And I find the, the only prose I write now are text messages. <laughs> and I know what I'm going to say, and I say it, and that's it. So, But poetry allows more time to me to just open up and see what's inside you. I always start the day with meditation, and Melissa, you mentioned yes. meditation. Yeah. And then I do a little spiritual reading. I'm currently reading Pema Chodron's newest book. And, you know, then I will read some poems and then I will start writing. But um, the meditation's really important. And Yeah. Interesting. Well, these poems, I would say, so I, I like narrative poetry more than the abstract type of poetry. And these to me are many mm -hmm. short stories, mm -hmm. really. Very short, I mean, yes. Yeah, I mean, well, flash fiction, flash poetry. Flash poetry, <laughs> yes. It kind of is. Yeah, yeah. so I, you, could, you could do it if you wanted to try. Not that you should or anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> I think she's found her is yes. it niche or niche. I always want to say niche, but I, I think I always it's, say niche. I say niche. I say niche. Okay, okay. Yeah. Some people say niche. They, I agree, yeah. Uh -huh. All right, we're going to go with niche. <laughs> poetry is her niche. She's comfortable there, and she's very good at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, with prose, I don't my text message, I don't think about, is that the best word? I can spend an hour picking a word in a poem. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I, yeah. I would never do that in prose. I wouldn't get my text messages done. So, <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, but that's interesting. So when you're writing, do you pause on that word or do you get the whole thing out and then come back and try to tweak it and edit it, basically? Well, that's my a good question. process is usually, not all the time, I will start writing in prose because I don't know what the lineation is going to look like or hmm. what, what form I want it. Sometimes it's a prose poem and it ends up being prose. But... Um, to me, it's more, how would I say it, that, that I can spend an hour looking for one word, but that is such a pleasurable hour. It can be mm. frustrating, but normally I have filler words when I'm writing, and I know I'll go back and fix them. Yes. But if yeah. I wait the third word of a poem, I spend an hour on that word, I will never write a poem. Right, mm. right. That's why I was curious, yeah. You know, yeah. So I, I lay it all out, and as I said, the final poem may have nothing in it that start that was in the beginning. That's but it opens doors that you can wander and paths that you can wander on. And then you see, I don't even know the point of the poem half the time <laughs> or where it's going. You start in one direction and you end up in completely a different direction. And that's yeah. the fun, the discovery process. Yeah. Absolutely. So do the titles come afterward? Usually, yes. I have to have a, a title in order to have it on my computer and find it. Yeah. So I have a working title. Yeah. And then as I go along, often as the poem changes, the title doesn't match anything I've written. So then I have yeah. to go back and find another title. And I don't think my titles are so great. I think some poets do amazing titles. <laughs> oh, I think these titles are terrific. Oh, they thank are. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And um, anyway, and then I... Um, Normally, what I would do is I will start a poem on a piece of paper, longhand, handwritten, and yeah. then I'll put it on the computer, and I have to print it out. I think it has something to do with being on the older side. I cannot, <laughs> I don't edit well on a computer, yeah. so I print it out, scribble, 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 type it up, print it out, scribble, 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 and all these iterations, they, they live on yeah. my computer, this poem, number one, number two, number three, all the versions of it, and then... Um, at some point, 
it's done. Either I can't make it any better or I think it's done. So yeah, very interesting. So that begs the question for me, what is your process? Do you write every single day? Do you come up with a poem every day or do you write when the mood strikes you? I have some, I wouldn't call it discipline because I love writing, yeah. but I, um, I know that May Sarton, who, do you know May Sarton? She wrote no. Journal of a, Sol- a Year of Solitude or something like that. She says it takes so much energy to push people and their needs away and create a space for yourself. Mm. And, you know, that's, I, so that's actually my work is to find the space and claim it yes. and not feel that it's selfish, that I really yes. could spend time with my son. And why am I sitting here writing a poem no one will read? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. So anyway, that's, um, I think that's pretty much my process. I usually start my writing day, which may not be in the morning. It may be at four o'clock in the afternoon, but I try to have a space for it. And um, I start by looking at poems that are in process. That gets me into hmm. the poetry world. I very rarely start with something brand new. Sometimes I do. Poems that you have in process? Yes. And I don't okay. write a poem a day. That would be way too ambitious. But I, <laughs> I could I write a poem and then I may put it aside for a while. Yeah, and pick it up mm. later and think, what was I thinking? That is, mm. really, that's terrible. <laughs> or this is genius. <laughs> <laughs> Less of that. <laughs> yeah. So, well, so how many poems would you say you've written in twenty years? Oh, hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, and some well, of them are just should... for me. They're just fun little. Yeah. Dribble, dribble, write that down. Isn't that fun? And maybe I'll share it with a few friends. And some I try to craft and make at least what I think might be a poem I can submit somewhere. Right. Well, you have been. I mean, you're you're being very modest, but you've had poems published in lots of places from your bio. Yes. So um, yeah, you should definitely collect them all, and you could uh, put them on an anthology of your own or something, or a poetry uh, chapbook or something. I don't know. I have yeah, they, published you... two books in a chapbook. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, See, there you go. Yes. All right. Excellent. And I will never do it again. <laughs> why How do come? you say that it yeah. is exhausting i mean yeah. nowadays unless you're a famous poet ada limon or something you do all the work yeah and yeah, you have right. to create your own publicity or hire someone and poets it's don't right. have a lot of sure. money to hire people so um, yeah it was i loved the readings were fun i did readings on the east coast and the west coast and those were fun i like reading poetry but it just takes away from being able to write poetry yeah. 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 So it's um, that's what they say these days, you know, writing is is half creative and half business. Yes. And I got a little tired of the business side of it. And I, I also have several boxes of books in the closet. So a lot of them didn't sell. <laughs> right, right. So um but it was fun. I did a book with my sister who's a photographer and that was really oh, fun. Wow. It was a book on hands and every photograph was about something with hands. Um, it could be hand like this of someone who was dying or somebody painting. And then I wrote something that was Related inspired that. by that. Wow. So it's almost, I like to use this word on the show, that was almost ekphrastic poetry, right? When you're writing about an image? Yes, yes. Painting. That's a good word. That's it. Yep. <laughs> I, I, still I throw it on here whenever I can. <laughs> I still don't even remember. I did not hold on to the definition of that word. So I, I can't even tell you what it means. Well, it's usually it's, looking at a painting or a work right. of art, and you're describing yes, it. 
But photography, especially yeah. if it sounds like it's artwork. Oh, absolutely. You, yeah. Oh, so. Yeah. I love hands. Hands and trees are our uh-huh. media of choice. I have paintings in my house that I've done where hands are coming out of trees. And oh, actually, wow. as a part of the poem that I wrote last night, it, it had to do with, well, never mind. Um, it was <laughs> a, um, I drew actually a tree with arms and legs and with the poem inside the tree. So, Ooh. I mean, that was, it's just part of like, I love. You mixed media. Yeah. That's really a lot of what's happening in poetry now. Is it? Yes. I don't know. Shape poetry and poetry. If you look at it, I I get uh, poetry magazine. Sometimes there's just words all over the page. They don't even seem to be connected to each other. It's just like anything goes. Obviously, it has to work. Right. But fascinating. A lot more mixed media now. Yes. Well, we had uh, A.M. Ringwald, and she was one of the judges on our contest recently, and she's a professor of writing at. Belmont here in town. But anyway, she also was talking about, she's a poet, and I was also talking about all the different approaches. And it's basically the the gates have been flung wide and pretty much yeah. anything goes. And she read some and had some examples of things. But man, I guess I'm just old school. It's hard for me. It's probably looking at abstract art. You know, some people just interpret that differently. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that I necessarily have to see a, a picture that I understand but with words, it feels so much more challenging when they're all over the map or... Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's just a random thought about... <laughs> Everybody poetry. has their own personal preference. I yeah, think. I guess that's that's it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's fine if you don't like it. Have you tried any of that? Um, yeah. I've done some shape poetry and I've done some poetry. Um, it's called a golden shovel poetry. They have all these fancy names where you take a, something you like a sentence of somebody that it's meaningful. And yeah. the first word of that is the la- the end of the first line. The second word is the end of the second line. So you can read all the way down the right-hand side of the words. Oh. And that huh. is the, the sentence that you started with. That's neat. That's kind of fun. Golden shovel. Yes, is that I what know. You said? Interesting. I thought yeah. you were going to pull out a golden shovel. You Like you have to write with a golden shovel. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I don't know why it's called that. Uh, That's so funny because it has nothing to do with gold or shovel. No, but what can you explain what shape poetry is? Like, is that what's well, like words... what you're doing? You're, you're okay. You're just a little. Often the poem will be in the shape of what the poem's about. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, so it can look like an apple. So the words writing. on the page. Okay, yeah, the words on the page kind of They're are set so that yeah. they look like an apple. Yes, okay, so it gives you yeah. another dimension to enter the poem in. Yes, yeah. right, yeah. right. Well, I I, like I kind of did that on my poem actually. I had uh, it, it's about a car crash, and I didn't a... read this poem. Where is this poem? I want to see it. <laughs> I'll, send, I'll send it to you. you <laughs> the pointed to. circle, if you want to look that lit mag up. But anyway, at, at two points, I kind of tried to put the words cascading so they look like a tire, like a skid mark. Oh, you neat. Know, sort of. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's the only part of it. Sort of like midway through, and then so it looks a little weird. Overall, but anyway, that was my <laughs> my attempt at uh, adding some shape <laughs> to the poetry. Okay, if I look at it and see skid mark, I'll I'll feel right. like I'm having yes. a hard time visualizing this. I don't yeah. know about this. I know I probably shouldn't have done it. <laughs> Everybody's gonna go look it up and be like, "What? Right, exactly. <laughs> skid mark." Well, well there is something. A lot of the poems written today, especially in the top journals, are very, to me, pretty inaccessible. Yeah. If I read it once. And I, I don't get anything out of it. I might try it a second time. But after that, it's too much work. <laughs> yes. Right. I feel the same way. 
life is too short. Yes. So I, if I, in. and it should, the first reading should pull you in enough that you want to go back and read it again. Yeah. And like find yeah. the extra treasures that right. are there. But you got to get something on that first pass. Yes, absolutely. And I do in, in like Poetry Magazine, I will try at least twice to see why am I not thinking this is a great poem and what's so great about it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. right. But, uh, the experts say it's great. Mm -hmm. I, I think that I've done that with some, when I look up readings, I'm like, I don't understand this at all. And it's like they won some contest. Yes. I'll look up, you know, if I want to, I, I have a really hard time submitting. I don't have a, um, the patience for it to submit any of my short stories so they kind of sat around and I've submitted a couple of places but um, when you look at their examples you try to get a sense of what this magazine mm -hmm. is publishing and you look at the winners okay and I will look at these things and I'll think what in the world like mm -hmm. how did this win <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so obviously I am not going to submit here because my stuff is not right. this you know not this <laughs> so that's so interesting what what I guess, I guess, I wonder though, is there an aspect of that that's like highfalutin that is, we don't like the, the judges don't even understand that they're like, oh yes, we're going to put this up there. <laughs> they just want to, you know, like they're drinking their wine and they're like, yes, this means uh, all this. And it means yes. absolutely not that, but yes. you know, they're just saying it because they sound fancy. No, no, surely not. I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to say, well, it's like books. I mean, I've read some bestsellers, you know, that have won literary awards that I was like, it was good, but not for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I, I didn't the, uh, a literary, whatever it is that they were doing that was wonderful. I didn't connect with. So I just, just, Part of it, to be fair, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, no, I don't like being fair. <laughs> <laughs> I found that um, taking workshops, like Ellen Bass, I don't know if you know her, she's a well-known poet. Um, she mm. will take one of these poems that I would think, what's the point of this poem? And she'll take it apart, and then I yeah. get it. So that yeah. there's a path to, to understanding some of these poems that maybe I don't have the patience. Yeah. Right. But I've really... It was really helpful to take there. I've taken three or four of her workshops, and they're really yeah. helpful. Right. So that makes me think maybe there is, you know, going back on what I just said and <laughs> <laughs> playing devil's advocate. But, you know, stretching your mind to try to extrapolate what's there, maybe there's some benefit to that, you mm -hmm. know? Because when I look at those things, my initial, and I don't understand them, my initial thought is, I feel dumb. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't right. feel dumb. So I'm right. going to move along. Like, I just say, oh, that's dumb, not me. <laughs> that's yeah, dumb. right, right. But maybe there is something to it. Because when when you say that that professor takes it apart and then you understand it, how are you feeling after that happens? When you're, you're like, oh, wow, I I'm, wish I had gotten that on my own. Or how could I not have seen that? Mm -hmm. Or are you thinking, I I understand that now, but what what's the purpose? I think for me, I'm always, how dumb am I? That's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I will give that one. But it also is, wow, I missed it. And this is beautiful. Really? Yeah. So there's a, then I can enter the poem the way it was meant to be entered, or at least it seems that way. And that's then yeah, yeah. really enjoy oh, it. Cool. And she would, um, Ellen particularly, would show drafts of poems that she'd written. And you can see the process of the progression mm. of going from one draft to another. And she will say, the first draft is perfectly dreadful. And she, then 
she shares it right, with us. Right. So it makes me <laughs> feel right. a little more human <laughs> that, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that she can do this. She's great. So. Well, I think it probably also has to do with your state of mind when you sit down to read something because, um, yeah. you know, sometimes you just want to enjoy it and, and, and relax in a way while you're reading it. Other times, you know, you're okay with a little more intensity or having to work a little harder. So little I definitely challenge. find that for poetry in general, I have to be in the mindset of I'm going to work a little harder, mm -hmm. even if it's easy poetry. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just it's just a different way to approach the work, I guess, or something. Well, that's yeah. a really good point because I that can is. sit down and read a poem one afternoon and say, that, what's, that? what's the point of that? And then I yeah. would read the next, the same poem a day later, and it's a whole different process for me. Yeah. Because I'm in a different mindset and more maybe right. more open and not so worried about what's for dinner or something. Right. Like that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like there's some life lessons in this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to. You know, the way we think, and, you know, it reminds me of our society. We are an instant gratification society. Mm -hmm. And I think when I read poems, I want that instant gratification. Mm -hmm. But there is some merit in having to work. Absolutely. I've completely changed my stance. <laughs> Bring on the difficult poetry. Right. <laughs> yeah, I do worry. Like we'll go back. We'll go back in time, and this is some old shows, and we'll, and we'll be saying, "We said that." Like we, you know, I, I know. Our, we, you know, I'm sure our That's opinions why I don't are ever changing. Listen to the shows. <laughs> yeah. How often do you? Of... He's like, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you do these shows? Well, we do. Uh, Two every, once every two weeks, so about wow. twenty six a year. Wow! Yeah, and um, yeah, we're up to fifty plus That's episodes crazy. now. I know, I know. So yeah, we've been, and we and we started off a lot different. You know, we were new. It's kind of changed over time. Now mm -hmm. we're seasoned and excellent. Yes, you know? now we're ex excellent co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> People are cringing. You know, <laughs> on the, our listeners. Um, uh, all right, great. We well, have, if, I mean, if we, if we have dedicated listeners, then they know us by now. And they're like, oh, J.W. Goofballs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We know they're ridiculous. <laughs> well, at least I am. You're, you're less ridiculous than I am, I think. Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, we are coming up on time here, though. And we have a couple of questions. I do have one question I want to ask, in particular, since you've been writing poetry for so long, is do you remember the first poem that impacted you, made you cry, hit you really hard emotionally that you read? I would. St I actually have the poem right here because that was one of the Ooh. questions ahead of time. See, I, yeah, I gave you a heads up on that one. So um, I love Franz Wright. I don't know if you know his work. Um, he wrote a poem that's called One Heart, and he struggled with depression, and his father was abusive. And his his poetry, there was this poem, One Heart, was, um, so I just, I've always loved his poetry. And his is very accessible. Yeah. yeah but right. very emotional. So Intense, yes. Well, um Melissa, do you want to ask our last question then? Yes. So our favorite thing, and no pressure, but you can't repeat any of the other advice that's been given <laughs> on the show. I hope you've prepared yourself and watched everything. But we love to ask this at the very end. What is your favorite writing resource or advice for new poets? Maybe I'll answer in French, and then you'll have something <laughs> oh, different. That will be new. <laughs> yes. So I won't repeat what other people say. So right. you're wanting to know advice for new poets? Advice or resources. Yeah, that has been helpful writers, to you. Yeah. Well, yeah. certainly the fav my favorite resource is the online thesaurus. 
it's it's my go-to. Oh, <laughs> yes. It's, wow, oh, it's seriously. wonderful. But I think for, <laughs> to say to someone, and I feel I'm a new poet, I would just say that I'm, I don't consider myself a seasoned poet. So this is advice for me as well you, as other been, people. You've been writing for 20 years. And I know that oh. there are people who have studied and, you know, they're, they have a title. But there are things that you learn along the way when you submit your poetry, when you write it. When you put it out there, when you read it aloud, you gain that. You, you gain information that you don't even realize. Mm -hmm. And you almost – and you, you pick up things from experts. So eventually there, there comes a time where you don't feel like you're a teacher, uh, but you are because of everything you have gleaned. Mm -hmm. And while you haven't had formal training, you've gained it along the way. Yeah. So I say that, and so you are an expert in my eyes. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. I think the, the biggest advice – I would say would be to have fun and enjoy it. The minute yeah. it becomes uh, the only presence is a judge that says you're terrible, you're done. You have to really yeah. have fun. I do think it's important to take workshops mm -hmm. and have maybe, I had a person that helped me when I first started writing and I'd send all my poems to her and she was brutally honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which was wonderful. But I think also, with one of the things is, um, you know, don't take yourself so seriously. Just enjoy it, and you mm -hmm. can invite the critic in when you're almost done, but don't do it in the beginning because you just won't be able to do it. And I think yeah. that um, another thing is to read and read and read poetry. Just keep reading, reading, reading poetry as much as you can, all different kinds of poetry, even the mm -hmm. ones that you don't understand. <laughs> read yes. read, yeah, read everything. <laughs> and I think it's really important to let your muse take you where she wants you to go and not mm -hmm. not shut things out because that thought is tangential no include it and maybe you'll delete it later but nothing is extra when you're first starting yeah. and i think that the other thing is important in, in writing a poem is that there has to be something in the poem that's familiar otherwise the the reader is going to be no idea. It's like the poem has no legs if it's not familiar. But it also has to have an element of surprise. And yeah. I think both makes you want to go back again and read it. If it tells you what mm -hmm. you already know, it's not going to be interesting to anybody. So yeah, for sure, the first line of a poem is the most important and the last line. Yeah. The first line is an invitation. And the last line, somebody said, when you read the last line, you should say, wow. And then, of course, yeah. so both parts come together at the end. That's great. That's good advice. Yeah. yeah. Just that's what helps me. So, <laughs> yes, I think that's great. So you gave us tons of great advice. I know. Thank you. And I don't believe we've heard any of that before. So I think we're on a roll. <laughs> I doubt <laughs> at it. At least we don't remember if we but, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. After, you know, 50 shows, you start to forget. <laughs> Great. Well, Claire, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to put these works out there on the magazine and to get them narrated on the show. It's been such fun getting to know you and to talk with you. And again, been. thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, thanks so yes. much for having me. It's been fun for me too. Claire, I just Great. have to say it has been an absolute delight. It has been so fun and I'm so glad we, I know we had trouble getting the interview going, but it has been so insightful. I could talk to you for long after. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please do us a huge favor and give us a rating on your favorite podcast app.
Also, be sure to tell your writer friends. Ratings and word of mouth are our best tools for expanding the reach of the magazine and podcast. The Story Discovery Podcast is a free, narrated podcast of works that appear in Etched Onyx Magazine. Edited by J.W. McAteer, all stories and poems are available at onyxpublications.com. That's O-N-Y-X publications.com. If you're feeling extra generous, you can support us at patreon.com slash onyxpublications or buymeacoffee.com slash onyxpublication with no S. As a nano publishing house, we are always looking for new works to showcase. If you'd like to submit a story or poems for consideration, please visit the submissions page on our website. In the meantime, keep reading and writing.